John 6, 59 through 71. John 6, 59 through 71. I'm going to read it to us, and, uh, and then we will pray and get going. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted to him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is the devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Let's pray together. Father, we pray and ask that you would help us understand this text, apply this text to our lives this morning. Help us to just grasp with what it means to truly follow you and not leave you and remain with you. Lord, teach us. Help us to have open ears, open hearts, open minds to what you want to teach us this morning. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, over the the past month, we have watched a lot of baseball in our home. Any, Any baseball fans? Okay, I figured. Figured. And, uh, and I, I accurately estimated that when I brought this analogy and illustration this morning that it might fall on a crowd that is not like, hey, we, so you'll have to apply it, all right? You're going to have to apply this. And all of you are, are fans of some sport, of some person, of some, like you, you have something that you're praising, that you're loving, that you're getting behind, and in our home, it's baseball. We love baseball. And uh, you don't have to love baseball to follow this illustration. But we've been watching a lot of baseball. We got to the month of October, we got the division series, we got the championship series. Moving into November, we got the world series. And that finished up a little over a week ago. And I shared a few weeks ago that, that we did, me and the boys did an impromptu trip. We headed out to the Dodgers stadium and we watched the Dodgers take on the Padres. Super fun. It was the first Major League Baseball game my boys had ever been to. And, uh, and they were hooked, right? Like living out west, being at Dodger Stadium. This was the most winningest season in Dodger history. And so guess what? It was really easy to put a Dodger hat on when we went to Dodger Stadium. And so we got there and the boys are like, Dad, they, one of them had, a, a, from growing up, they had a younger Dodger hat. And so I was like, hey, I'm getting us new Dodger hats when we get to Dodger Stadium. And so we put on our Dodger hat, and we are Dodger fans. It's awesome. And then the Dodgers lost that night. And, uh, and they continued to lose. And uh, the most winningest season in all of Dodger history goes out the window, and they lose to the Padres. 
And so the season ended abruptly. It was so sad. We cried. We cried. Until we decided, you know what? Let's become Padre fans. Let's do this. It's Padre season, right? Padres got this. We're behind the Padres this year. Like, let's, let's get behind the Padres. They're still in the West, all right? We just got to head a little bit further south from L.A. Like, we're, we're going to celebrate with, with the Padres. And, uh, and so, you know, we're, we're here. We're, we're fans of Padres. And the Padres would lose the championship series to the Phillies. And so now we have the Phillies and the Astros. And I go, all right, boys, who are you picking now? And I was like, well, it's Astros. It's Astros all the way, right? Astro- and then some are like, hey, they're cheaters. They didn't really win. And uh, if they win this year, they probably cheated. And, and, and Josh even asked me, he's like, did you really go out and buy an Astros hat? And I was like, no, this is like from 2004, all right? Like, I've had it forever. And he's like, no, I think you, like, you went out, like, you're one of those fans. You just get behind the winning team. And uh, it's, it's, it's not that, that way. I chose the Astros. We're from Texas, right? I'm going to be a fan. I'm cheering them on. And the Astros pulled it out, right? And so if you were to ask me, though, hey, name, name a player on the Astros, I couldn't tell you. I'd be very limited, all right? Name a player on the Dodgers, and like, we've really become followers of the Dodgers. And I joked with my boys this morning because we were in a, a training course this morning, and it came up, and I was asking them, like, hey, can you, like, do you know the Dodgers? Do you know, like, are you, are you fans? Are you followers of the Dodgers? And they're like, yeah, I can name a bunch of different players on the Dodgers. We follow the Dodgers. Now, here's what I want to describe to you this morning, and hopefully you can see. There's dip, different levels of commitment when it comes to being a fan or a follower, right? Like, there's, there's fans of the Dodgers. There's followers of the Dodgers, I came across this article when the Phillies were playing, and it, it, it basically said, Phillies fans who, who left the game early, please don't go to another game. And here's what the article said. I want you to hear this. If you're one of the fans who left early, I simply ask that you, attend an- you do not attend another playoff game again. Let the real fans go. Let the people who want to be there go, because you clearly didn't. You can use every excuse in the book for heading out early, and I'm simply here for none of it. Because the reality is, if the team were winning, you would have stayed. You had plans to go down there. You were going to go out on the field, and you were going to sing Dancing on My Own and watch the team inch closer to the improbable World Series title, and then you just decided to head home early. And this is where the dad joke comes in. Why did the stadium get hot after... The game? Because all the fans left. All right, you got it? Write it down. You'll use it later. You'll use it later. The followers remain. The followers stay. The fans leave, right? We all know about fair weather fans if your team's leaving. And here's what I want to say. Like, getting into the text. I hope, like, not making light of the text, not making light of, like, there's obviously more to life than our, our favorite sports team. And... But when it comes to following Jesus and what we see displayed in this text, there's, there's fans and followers. And what Jesus is, is seeking to do is we're going to see in John 5 
John 6, 59 through 71, we're going to see two levels of commitment in this text. And it's important for us to, to lean in. In, in this room, I, I know this morning there are two levels of commitment when it comes to Jesus. Some are here, and you're just checking things out this morning. And we're thankful you're here. We, we praise God for you. We, we're thankful. We hope that this is a safe place that you can keep coming and, and discover more and more about Jesus. And maybe right now you're just a fan of Jesus. You haven't fully stepped in. You've shown interest. You, you may have put the hat on, but when it comes to Jesus maybe making some outrageous claims that he's going to make, uh, we're going to begin maybe taking some steps back. And the idea there is, are we going to go into like fully being followers of Jesus? And maybe my question to you this morning is, where are you in your relationship with Jesus? Where are you in your relationship with Jesus? Now, for a little bit of background in this passage, it's important because John 6 is a long chapter, and, and we've broken it down into several different weeks, and so it's easy to kind of lose the context of what's happening here. But we got to go back and see early on in John chapter 6, Jesus just fed the 5,000. An amazing miracle. He had a few pieces of fish, a few loaves of bread, and like, what are we going to do with this? He multiplied it, and he, this miraculous feeding of thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And you can imagine there's probably going to be a lot of fans of Jesus in this moment. They haven't really made a commitment to Jesus. They're, they're, they're still asking the question, what can Jesus do for me? Jesus just provided a meal. Jesus just fed all these people. And they're kind of like, you know what? We should keep following this guy. This guy seems like somebody that would be really good to keep around. And so let's keep following him. And Jesus is going to say, you're not seeking me. You're not following me because you saw the signs. You're not following me because I'm Jesus. You're following me because you ate your fill of the loaves. And what Jesus is basically saying is, you have no real commitment to me. I feed you, and now you've become a fan of Jesus. They're just fans. And Jesus is going to reveal this to them. And I want you to see this as an act of love this morning. It is an act of love for Jesus to reveal to us where we stand in our relationship with Jesus. Jesus is going to help them define the level of commitment they have to them and to, to him. And so in John chapter 6, verse 59, where our text uh, begins, it says, Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum, okay? And, and here's what I want you to see. He's, he's saying, and I'm going to come back, I'm going to tell you what he said, if you weren't here last week, but I want you to first see their response in verse 60. In verse 60, this is their response. These are the fans of Jesus, and this is their response to what Jesus just said. When many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Now, we have to go back. What did Jesus say? We got we to gotta look back to last week and, and see. Now, I want you to, to, to first see in verse 60, it says, when many of the disciples, and a lot of times we use the word disciple, meaning a follower of Jesus. And here, these are not followers. These are fans. These are people who have not truly committed their life to follow Jesus. They're, they're showing interest in Jesus. Jesus is filling their bellies. And so it's like, hey, he seems like a good guy. Let's keep journeying with him. But they begin to grumble. 
these disciples begin to grumble. And they say, this is a hard saying. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's hard to understand. Now, I was wrestling this out with my community group, and there are some things in the past passage that are hard to understand. We kind of get lost in the physical and spiritual conversation here because he just fed them physically, and then he just says, like, hey, you got to eat of my flesh. And we're like, is he talking about cannibalism? That seems kind of weird. That, you know, and that's something that's really hard in that text, like to understand what's going on. But Jesus says, we got to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. And, and it's a hard saying. But what it means for that to be a hard saying is not that it's hard to understand. So it wasn't following and, and they couldn't intellectually process it. It was hard to accept. It was hard to listen to it and appreciate it. And that's what it says uh, when it says in, in this, this verse, who can listen to it? It's saying, who can appreciate it? Who can hear this saying about Jesus and who can appreciate it? And so they are ultimately starting off, followers of Jesus have to receive Jesus. And, and that's the first point I want you to see. And it sounds super basic. Followers of Jesus have to receive Jesus. But I'm telling you, like, this is the hardest part. This is the hardest part because when we receive Jesus, we have to receive Jesus for who he is, the portrait of Jesus. We have to receive the message of Jesus. We have to receive the words of Jesus. We have to receive the claims of Jesus. We have to receive the commands of Jesus. And ultimately, they're hard to accept. What is it that's hard to accept? That's where I want to jump into last week, 53 through 59. Here's what it says. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. And when they heard it, they grumbled. And they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? And so this is the, the discourse, this is the dialogue that's happening between Jesus and these people who are, are basically fans of Jesus, they're following Jesus, they're, they're looking to Jesus, and Jesus makes these claims. And with Jesus making these claims, Jesus is showing them, here is the cost of discipleship. Here is what it means to truly follow me. Following me doesn't mean coming and just receiving these good gifts that I come, but it means to truly give your life, to, to, to commit your life to following Jesus. And when, when we see here, when you follow Jesus, it's going to cost you. Jesus is not looking for just mere fans. Jesus is looking for followers, and we got to receive Jesus. we got to receive Jesus' words. we got to receive Jesus' testimony. And here's what I would tell you this morning is, a lot of us may have some curiosity about Jesus. 
We want to discover more about Jesus. But eventually, there comes a moment, a point in time, where we got to receive Jesus, where we got to consider the claims of Jesus and what Jesus said was true. And to do so means that it's going to cost me. There is a cost that I'm going to pay. It's a calling to commitment. And I guess the question to ask yourself is, where does your commitment level stand? There's a lot of hard claims when it comes to Jesus. There's a lot of hard commands when it comes to Jesus. And we can't say, I'm a fan of Jesus while choosing to live my own life. I can't say, I'm, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus, and yet I disagree on what, what the, the picture of marriage should look like. Or, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I disagree who has sovereign control over my life. I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm not necessarily signing up to go through suffering for Jesus. And ultimately, what it means to receive Jesus means to receive all of Jesus. It's not just going and receiving these good gifts of, of going like, hey, we'll take the bread. We'll celebrate until it, you know, gets to the ninth inning and it looks like you're losing and we'll go home. And isn't that what the crowd eventually does? They leave. It says many of the crowd, they couldn't accept those claims. They couldn't receive those claims. They, they, when Jesus called them to the line and said, this is what it looks like to receive Jesus. It says no, they no longer followed. What I want us to see in this text is that partaking of Jesus, he says, eating my flesh, drinking my blood, partaking Jesus, uh, it requires a few steps. We have to accept that there's no life apart from Jesus. We have to accept that the Father sent him. This is all in that previous passage. We have to accept that he came down from heaven. In verse 51, we look up, it says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he'll, he'll live forever. And the bread that I will give for the, for the life of the world is my flesh. And so it's, that doesn't sound like winning. It doesn't talk about like the cross will be a stumbling block to those who are perishing. Like the cross does not look like it's victory. If we're saying, hey, I want to be a part of a winning team, Jesus doesn't look like he's part of a winning team. It looks like Jesus is losing. It's like, hey, you were winning when you were providing food. You were winning, and there was a great crowd, a great multitude of people following you. But when it came to a cost of what it meant to really follow Jesus, everyone's going to leave. You're talking about descending. That sounds negative. That sounds like, it doesn't sound like victory. You have to accept, although this is going to be a hard, we've talked about this before with the, the Jewish people, they have to accept that Jesus is better than Moses because he says in that last passage that people are going to eat the, the bread that Moses offered and it says they died. But Jesus is coming to bring a bread that causes life forever. And, and so it's, he's like, I, I come to bring the better bread. And that's a hard claim to accept. It's like you're really pushing your chips all in and going like, man, to, to bank on Jesus, to trust in Jesus, to be like, hey, I'm team Jesus. I'm putting on the uniform. I'm, I'm with Jesus. I'm following Jesus. 
means that there's a lot of things, a lot of areas in my life that I have not been willing to accept, and now I'm having to accept those. My life is no longer mine. My life is no longer my own. And what do they respond with? They say, it's hard to take it in. It's hard to take it in. What I want you to see, what Jesus offered in that previous passage was he's inviting people to receive him. He's inviting people and like, here's how you receive me. Here's how you partake in life with me. And they said they couldn't do it. It was a sacrifice. It was, there was a cost to that level of commitment. And what we see in this text, throughout all of this text, throughout all of the sermon, Jesus initiates, you receive. We see it in this text in so many places. Verse 37, all that the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I'll never cast out. You hear, you hear the invitation in that? Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. What else does he do? He gives us flesh to eat, and he says, feed on it. Partake of, eat of it. He gives us true food, and he says, abide in it. Jesus is giving all of us and these people an invitation to become a follower. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. But not only do followers of Jesus receive Jesus, followers of Jesus remember the words of Jesus. And this is key. Because there may be a ton of us in the room this morning that say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Like, I, I'm staked my claim. I'm on his team. Like, I'm team Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I don't just know Jesus. I don't know, just know some facts about Jesus. Like, I'm a true follower of Jesus. But it's hard at times. Absolutely right. It is hard. There are many times in my own life I want to go my own way. There are many times where in my own life I feel like I, I know what is right in my own eyes and I choose to trust in that rather than trust in the words of God. There are many times where I think I know better. There are many times where I think I believe this to be best and I can tell you I have so many conversations with people and I'm like, you know what, I, what Jesus is asking of us, I know it's hard. And to be quite honest, if I didn't believe in the trustworthiness of his words, I don't know that I would believe it either. And if I didn't know that, that, that what I hold here is actually life, then I would, I would probably choose to go my own way. And I think that at times I just go, but I have to trust. I have to believe. I have to commit, even though it may cost me to follow Jesus even though it may cost me to commit my life to Jesus, and even though I don't want to do some of the very things that Jesus commands me to do, in his words are life, and I need to remember them, and I need to seek to walk in them. And this is what he says. Like, when we get down into verse 65, it's interesting because he ends that whole section in verse 65 with this. This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted to him by the Father. And I have to ask the question, why did he tell us that? He goes, this is why I told you. 
I'm like, why, why did you tell us that? And so I have to jump back up into the text. Verse 61. So we're kind of jumping backwards now. Why does he say, this is why I told you? The words of Jesus, remembering the words of Jesus. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Okay, he asked them a question. Does that offend you? Does, does what I just said, the claims, the truth, the promises, what I've asked you to do, do you take offense at it? And he doesn't let them answer. It's not like they're like, yeah, and he, he, just, he just keeps going. What does he say? He goes, then what if you were to see the man ascending to where he was before? Now, there's two views on that verse, okay? And, and we love, because we believe there's life in the words of Jesus, we teach through this verse by verse. We believe there's life in these words. And we're asking, what, what's he trying to teach us in this passage? Okay? He says, do you take offense at this? Well, what about if you saw the Son of Man ascending to the right hand of the Father in heaven? Two views on that. One, does that make the offense worse or does that lessen the offense? And we got to ask both sides of that, okay? So he just said, you're going to follow me. I'm the bread of life. I come to give bre better bread than, than Moses gave. The bread that I offer is my body. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. They don't fully understand this yet. And I'm, I'm going to come. You need to partake of life in me. You need to eat on these words. And what it means to eat Jesus, if you look, it, it talks about to eat Jesus means to believe and receive those words. That's what it means. So like we believe and receive those claims. That's why true followers of Jesus receive him. But we also remember his words. And, and what Jesus is saying is like all of this, you, you're grumbling about it. You're complaining do you take offense at that? Does that offend you? Does that, that cause tr problems in your life? Does that cause, uh, you know, conflict with what you desire? And I would be like, yes, yes, it does. If you're real here today, you're like, yeah, there's some real challenges to what Jesus is saying. And he goes, well, what about, what about if you saw me ascend to heaven? Does that make it easier or harder to believe? Now, I think some of us, we would jump, it makes it easier, right? We're like, I've never seen anybody do that. That seems pretty cool. The guy ascended to the right hand of the Father in heaven. That would be a sign. And then we'd be like, all right, he's the, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. I, I believe in it. I, I would trust in him. Like I would put on Team Jesus hat and never look back. Like that, that's where I would kind of put my stake in the ground and be like, this is, this is my team. But there's another viewpoint that that actually makes the offense worse. And what that means is the fact that you have to ascend means that you descended from, and it's a place of what he's talking about. The cross, the crucifixion of Jesus does not look like victory. So everything that's wrapped up into ascension to get to ascension, he has to go to crucifixion. He has to die. He has to be buried. Now, all of us know, like using the sport analogy, like we've all been at places where our team is down 10 nothing, and you're like, there's no hope, right? Like this game is over. Let's pack it up and let's go home until we read that article about the Phillies and like we're, we're going to stay next time because that was convincing. And, and so 
Here's the thing. All that's wrapped up in the crucifixion and death and burial of Jesus does not look like winning. And ultimately, he's like, if you can't accept this now, you're not going to accept it when it comes to everything that's going to come down the line. The crucifixion of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, the death of Jesus. It's all going to look like utter failure. And that's the time where you're just going to be like, okay, let's trade hats here and let's, let's take up another one. But he's saying, remember. So what does he say in this passage? He says, I lost my place now. This is why I told you no one can come to me unless it's granted him by the Father. He goes, what may be perceived as losing I'm over it. Y'all get that? Now, here's the thing. You're going to hear this this morning, and you're going to be like, that's a hard saying. That's hard to accept. And I'm just, this is it. This is the moment where you have to lean in and go, like, do you trust the words of Jesus? All throughout this text, it is said, no one comes to the Father but by the Holy Spirit drawing him. All that the Father gives me, I will never cast out. No one can come to the Father but by the Holy Spirit. This is why no one can come to me unless it's granted to him by the Father. There is an initiation that happens. And what may look like losing is actually Jesus' sovereign control over all aspects of life. Meaning, you don't come to faith in Jesus outside of the hand of Jesus. And, and, and it's hard to grasp. It's hard to understand because it's like, well, I chose well, you chose because he first acted. He, you receive. He was the one who granted the ability. Without him moving and working in our lives, we never come to a point of moving to a posture of faith. And so we see in the text, sinners will always choose to sin unless God intervenes. We read in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, we were all of these things. And in verse 4, it says, but God. And it's like this particular moment where God moves and initiates faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, says you didn't do it of your own self, your own works, your own know-what-all. Like you didn't come to a place of intellectual belief because you're really smart. He's in control, which means people who come and don't come to Jesus, he's over. He's sovereign over those things. That is why he's telling them that. Because it may look like it's not a victorious moment. It may look like everyone's departing him. And maybe, you know, Peter's sitting there going like, maybe I should do that too. Maybe we should leave with the crowd. And he's over this. Here's what I would tell us this morning. And here I think is the practical application of this passage. There's going to be moments where it's really hard to trust in the words of Jesus. But we have to remember that the words of Jesus are life. 62, then what if we were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. What does it say next? The flesh is no help at all. Your flesh, there's nothing in and of yourself that can give life. We've already talked about this. John chapter 3, we cannot give the new life that Jesus comes to offer. He gives it. He gives it. 
The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Jesus, who has a full measure of the spirit, is speaking on behalf of the spirit. And his very words are life. Verse 65, he says, that is why I told you no one can come to me unless it's granted by the Father. Don't think that this is a losing moment. Remember my words. Remember who it is who's in control. Remember who it is that's all powerful. Remember who it is who multiplied the bread. Remember who it was that walked on the sea. Remember who it was that saw you in your moment of despair. Remember who it was who came to you. Remember, remember, remember. And there's going to be moments where you feel like walking away. And we got to come back to the truth of Scripture, the words of Scripture, and remind ourselves, what are the words of Jesus? In His words are life. Remember the words. Flesh cannot help you. The words of Jesus can. Now, we all know, most of us know, the story of Jesus of going like, yeah, it starts out death, burial, but it's like the greatest comeback in all history. And I kind of compare that like this is the ninth inning walk-off home run. Like everything looks like Jesus is losing. And then he's going to be ultimately victorious at the end. And it's like, oh, I wish I would have remained. I wish I would have stayed with Jesus. And that's what I want you to, to hear in this last part. The followers of Jesus remain with Jesus. Followers of Jesus remain with Jesus. In verse 66, it says, After this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Many of the disciples no longer walked with him. I don't know about you, but I read that passage and I'm saddened by that verse of Scripture. When I look across the history of our church and I see people or I see friends that I believe had received Jesus who were seeking to hold on to the words of Jesus and remember the words of Jesus, but then I, I see them and they're no longer walking with Jesus. And it makes me ask the question, what happened? Why are they no longer following Jesus? And I think one is we, we, we failed to remember the words and we, we failed to, to, to hold tight because in his words are life. But I think a, a couple other things happen and I think we see that in the life of what's happening here. Why do people stop following Jesus? And I think the first one is they, they lose a sense of purpose. Why are we following Jesus? Like, we started on this journey, like, Jesus had an attractional nature about him. And so, like, they sought Jesus, they pursued Jesus initially for what? If we go all the way back to the beginning of John chapter 6, they saw him doing some signs. And like, oh, that seems pretty cool. It seems like he's got an attractional nature about him. Let's go and follow that guy. And then he fed them. And what Jesus is showing that they, they have the wrong motivation. There's a lot of people who come, they claim they want to follow Jesus, but their motivation is not to commit their life to Jesus, but ultimately to, to like, just give me a happy, 
healthier life and like prosperity gospel. Like, let me, let me just live and, and tomorrow's going to be awesome. And I do believe that following Jesus is awesome. But there's hard days in following Jesus too. I think most of us can testify to that. But you have the wrong motivation. Yesterday, we ran a 5K as a family. And, and here's what I would tell you. I heard Amber say that Krispy Kreme was going to be at this 5K, all right? I was really excited. That was the motivation. I was like, let's go. Krispy Kreme's going to be serving up donuts at the 5K. Here's what I found when I got there. Look at this next slide. Crisp and green. <laughs> I thought she said Krispy Kreme. No lie. Crisp and green. It's a salad company, all right? So I got there. And I get out of the car, and it's freezing cold, and I'm walking around, and I'm like, where's Krispy Kreme? I need a donut. Like, that's my motivation. And then at the very end, I was like, I guess they didn't show up. And I look over there, and I go, Krispy Kreme, Krispy Kreme, Krispy Kreme. Sounds just like Krispy Kreme. It's not Krispy Kreme. I was so disappointed. What a letdown, right? How many of you would run a 5K if you knew you would get Krispy Kreme? How many of you would run a 5K if you got salad at the end? Lame, all right? But whatever gets us out there, we got the wrong purpose. And sometimes we got the wrong purposes when it comes to following Jesus. We got the wrong portrait of Jesus. A lot of times when we, when we look like who we believe Jesus to be and do and his claims, and that's why we're spending two years walking through the gospel of John because we really want you to know Jesus. And there's lots of nuances and facets about who Jesus is. And Jesus, in some sense, like, he comes and it seems like at some points he's really offensive. And then at some points he's super caring and compassionate. And he's got a heart for the lost. And he's got a heart for people who are far from Jesus. He's got a heart for people who have fallen into the trap of sin. And then we see, like, he, he's coming to bring a sword against the religious. And he wants to cut down all their you know, old religious practices and rules and regulations. And, and it's like, man, we just need this full picture and portrait of Jesus. And sometimes the person that we thought we were following is not actually the Jesus of the Bible. We have the wrong portrait. And so we didn't actually like stop following Jesus. We stopped following a false Jesus. Sometimes that can be a good thing. Another reason why we, we stopped following Jesus is Persecution. Right? Like there, there's a lot of pressure like coming against outside forces. And like we see that in Acts chapter 8 with the story of Stephen. Like although he was being persecuted, he was being stoned to death, like he remained. How often many of us would, would crumble in that situation. But the persecution that maybe we don't face necessarily here in the United States of America, but our brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world do face extreme persecution. It's hard to remain. What about pressure? There's pressure from culture. There are a lot of things that are not culturally popular in following Jesus, and it's only going to get harder. Like culture is, is out to, to make Christianity oppressive. That ultimately saying you're a follower of Jesus would just would be, would be as oppressive as many of the other oppressive things that I'm not going to mention. It's, it's, it's ultimately a sense of going, culture is out to pressure you to be quiet, to be silent, to not remain, to run. 
and abandon Jesus. It's old news. It's an old story. It doesn't matter. It's not significant. You will face pressure if you don't already. The last thing is persuasion. If, if the pressure from the culture is not enough, the enemy is out to persuade you that there's better things to be had apart from Jesus. So my own sinful nature is like, I don't know that I want to receive the claims of Jesus. I don't want to follow the claims of Jesus. I want to do my own way. And not only that, but I have an enemy that says, you should go your own way. You should take of this fruit. You should take of this. You're smart, Justin. You can do this. You can figure this out. You don't need his help. And we depart from Jesus. And ultimately, this comes down to a question with the disciples right here at the end. Jesus says in verse 67, he looks to the 12. And I, we don't know, like maybe it's just the 12 that are remaining. The crowds have gone and he looks at them and he goes, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. The words of eternal, there it is again. Where else do we go? And we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. What a great testimony from Simon Peter. And it's true. It's like, in, where else do we go? Like, if, if we were to go, where else would we go? In him are the words of eternal life. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm trusting you. I'm staying with you. I'm staying with you. And in this moment, it seems like Peter, if I can kind of give us a description, here's Peter and, and he, Jesus looks at him and says, hey, uh, what about you guys? What about the 12? And Peter's like, I put on team Jesus. Like, I'm with team Jesus. Like, I chose team Jesus. And you know what Jesus said to him? Didn't I choose you? It's an act of humility in this moment. In this period where Peter, in some ways, wants to boast about his profession of faith. Jesus comes in this moment and goes, I chose you. The reason you're here, the reason you're believing, the reason you're trusting, the reason you're persevering, the reason you're remaining, I chose you. I chose you. And I would just tell us this morning, because I think there's many temptations in life to run away and not remain. And we got to remember the words of Jesus. And what are the words of Jesus in this passage? I chose you. I chose you. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. There's safety there. There's joy there. There's pleasure there. Is it hard? Is it hard to obey Jesus? Yeah. He gives us the strength, though, through the power of his Holy Spirit to obey that. In his words, our eternal life. We think we can come put on the team Jesus hat and Jesus comes and puts the hat on us. I want you to listen to this quote that one scholar said to really summarize this whole chapter and it says this, what they wanted he would not give and what he offered they would not receive. And I just want to leave that on the screen for just a moment. What is it that you really want? You think you want. 
What is it that Jesus is offering? And are you willing to receive that this morning? Are you willing to receive what Jesus is offering us? To receive Jesus. Remember the words of Jesus and remain with Jesus. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for this text that instructs us and teaches us and in many ways helps discern where we stand. Jesus, we recognize that you are the initiator of faith in our life. You're the author, as Hebrews says, the author of our faith. You're also the perfecter of our faith. You started it, you'll finish it. So, Father, we come knowing farewell in a posture of humility that we come before you this morning and just receive the gift of grace this morning, even just bring it fresh this morning. Bring it fresh upon our lives and our hearts. Lord, help us for for many of us who are tempted to trust in our own ways to remember the words of Jesus. The flesh is no help at all. The flesh cannot help us. We need the Spirit. So Lord, would you remind us of that? And Lord, help us to remain. Help us to remain. Lord, help us to stand in the midst of pressure, persecution. Lord, help us to stand in the midst of false motives. Help us to find the true reason. Why do we follow you? And Lord, we pray and ask that you would allow this truth to reside deep within our hearts. We pray and ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.